Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be! And you know it! With a tear in my eye! The queen of the crop. Acknowledge me. What's up, everybody? Hope everyone out there had a great holiday season. We got New Year's here in a couple days, so I guess the holiday season's not over. But this is episode 322 of Top Rope Nation, here to celebrate with you a great agenda on deck. We're going to talk Iron Claw. We're going to talk AEW World's End and whatever else is on our minds in the world of pro wrestling. And if you are watching us on the video stream right now, you can see that it's Ryan Drosty, it's Justin Joint, it's Jesse Velasquez, and we also have a very special guest with us tonight to discuss the Iron Claw. I had to call this man up. He's been a longtime supporter of Top Rope Nation since at least 2019, I know. Longtime patron, Justin and I have hung out with him here at the Tragos Thaz Hall of Fame weekend, gotten some beers. He's a staple at Hall of Fame weekend here in Iowa in the summertime. Great to get him on the video show. You've been on the Patreon shows, Gabe Benson, but the first making your debut here on the video to talk a little Iron Claw. How's it going tonight, Gabe? It's going great. I'm very excited. Thank you guys for having me on tonight. Uh, It's been a great year, and let's finish it off with uh, a nice review of the movie. Hell yeah. So the reason we called you up, I, I should have said this in the intro, is because you actually lived in the Dallas area during the height of the Von Eric family run. You were there in person. You went to the Reunion Arena in 84. Uh, you went to the Sportatorium on at least one occasion. And so you're going to be a great person to talk to to get some of that perspective of did that translate you know, to the movie itself? Because I don't think I know anyone else personally who actually went to a Von Eric world-class show at the sportatorium man so it's pretty cool thank you for joining us absolutely i appreciate it thank you so do you got something in the glass tonight for us you know we we always do this on the pod what are you drinking tonight i had to get out the uh you know red wax little makers little sippers kentucky as you can see i'm almost finishing it off so we (laughs) we hopefully get through this tonight with the show (laughs) very nice just enjoying up there. How you doing tonight, man? Do you have a good Christmas? Yeah, good Christmas. It's all about the kids at this point, uh, and they seem to have a good time. Uh, I am a nervous wreck right now because there is three minutes left in this Celtics Pistons <laughs> game, and they're only up by one. Uh, God forbid the Celtics are the ones to uh, give the Pistons their first freaking win in twenty-seven games. <laughs> Justin always has an eye on the TV when the Celtics Damn. are playing. You can always tell if you're watching and you're actually visually seeing Top Rope Nation, you can tell if they're doing well or not <laughs> by the expression on his face for the majority of the show. And he's got the hood up right now. He looks like a little sad. Hopefully that'll change. I, I don't know if the Iron Claw is the best topic if you don't want to be sad. <laughs> well, that's why I'm wearing but, all black. 
<laughs> right. Exactly. Well, what do you have in the glass? Oh man, guys, this is embarrassing. Uh, I have gin and tonic, but I recently picked up beef eater because when my father-in-law was in town, ah, this was a few weeks ago or something like that. I actually, I've never told you guys this. Uh, I got Ryan into gin by uh, giving him some, I think it was the gunpowder gin, which is excellent. It's very, very good. Uh, but my father-in-law is the one who introduced me to the gunpowder gin. And when he came back into town, he had a bottle of beef eater too. And, and he's mixing the two now. And it's because mm. he, he had me do a taste test, taking a tiny shot of both of them. And I guessed wrong both times that I wow. said it was gun, I said it was gunpowder both times and it was fucking beef eater both <laughs> times. So I, I'm having a little beef eater and tonic right now. You know, t- since you told me about the gunpowder gin, I, I cannot tell you how many bottles of that <laughs> the Drosty family oh, has man, gone through with so me and good. the wife. That is that is the well, new go to the G and D. If you want to cheat and, and save yourself about ten dollars, you mix it with a uh, beef eater. You can save okay. some of that gunpowder and you don't lose a whole lot flavor wise. Very nice. Good tip. Hope you're out there listening, Sean Skelton. A little advice from <laughs> Justin Joint there. <laughs> Jesse Velasquez, how you doing, sir? Life's pretty well. I'm looking forward to the end of 2023. It's been a tremendous second half of the year, let me tell you. So, uh, unlike Snoop in 1993, I'm not sipping on gin and juice this evening. I have my norm, a little modest dream yard from Minneapolis. Got one more of these bad boys, and then we got to restock up at the liquor store. But uh, this is the best way to go out in uh, 2023 on Top Rope Nation. Live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or if you follow us with one of the best IPAs in the state. Heck yeah. I don't know if I told Justin this, but I did see some modest at our liquor store the other day, but they only had one wasn't my favorite style. It was like a ho- an oak aged beer. So I did not pick it up, but it's, I it's did uh, because of Jesse. I did pick up some surly ax man. I, I haven't cracked Solid. one open yet, but uh, I got it in the fridge. Oh, my brother had the leftover over Christmas. He says, I'm not going to drink this. I said, oh, that's great because I will. And absolutely house that thing. It was delicious, just like I remembered. I, I miss Todd, though. Obviously, that was the, the namesake yeah. of the beer. Good old Todd the Axe, man. I have a, a staple beer for me in the wintertime, and that's a little Sierra yeah. Nevada celebration. Oh, Great so IPA. Good. The oh. amber color. I got to stock up before they vanish. And they're already vanishing from what Justin tells me. He got the last 12 pack at our closest liquor store. Happy's, so. yep. Hopefully High V has some. Otherwise, I think they did have some six packs. But that's not enough. Uh, well, that, is, that is a damn good IPA. I'll have to get about six six packs to last me over the next <laughs> couple of months. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Guys, if you're new to Top Rope Nation, please subscribe to the channel. If you're watching us here on YouTube, we would appreciate that greatly. Got a new feature here on YouTube that I'm going to talk about at the end of the show that we're really excited about. So we'll get to that later on. And then as you see right now, we got the names scrolling across the bottom of all of our wonderful patrons, including Gabe Benson, as we said. If you want bonus content, join the Top Rope Nation Patreon page. Link here in the description. Five bonus podcasts dropped just this month alone. There's almost 130 in the archives. That included Top Rope Nation Classics just last week, Four editions of TRN Unplugged. Jesse and Justin just released one like two days ago. So if you want to hear all that content, if you want to hear the majority of our content, you need to be a patron. 
get off your butt and join the Patreon page. It is the best way to support the show and get all of the exclusive content. And, you know, like I always say, if you don't have five bucks, just subscribe on YouTube. Even if you listen to us on the podcast feed, pull up YouTube, throw us that subscriber. Uh, You know, we would appreciate that. Drive that subscriber count up. It helps us out a lot. All right. With all of that out of the way, we get the drinks in the glass. The Celtics are losing. Ready to go. We're up. We're up. Oh, you're up now. Up three, one minute. I'm getting all right. Shit. Nope. Tie tie game. (laughs) Never mind. One minute left. Tie game. One minute left. Son of a bitch. Good stuff, Ryan Huffman. (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah, Ryan Huffman in the chat. He did get uh, the Bret Hart rum from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Romero. His wife sounds like we need to. Sounds like we need to hang out with Huffman soon. Yeah. No kidding. Justin's about to get serious for a minute. Shout out to Calgary, Alberta, Canada's finest. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Well, you know, Fritz von Erich spent some time in Calgary, Alberta, Canada early in his career and uh, trained up there in the 1950s, I do believe, when he was breaking into the business. I think he lived even on the Hart family property for a little while, if I remember right. And uh, of course, Fritz von Erich and his trials and tribulations are covered in the new film, The Iron Claw. I believe Gabe saw it on Thursday, opening day. Jesse, you saw it Friday afternoon last week. And then Justin and I went together on Friday night. So Justin and I have kind of talked about our thoughts. Not totally clear on what the rest of you think about this. Jesse, there's been a little bit of a text. And we're just going to kind of dive into what we thought of the film, kind of maybe grade it even, what we liked the most, you know, some of the changes that we didn't like. And then from Gabe's perspective, you know, how that atmosphere from Dallas actually translated in the film. And Gabe, I'll just throw it to you. First of all, I mean, in general, what did you think of the movie? If you had to give it a grade on the old A through F scale, how would you rate the Iron Claw? All right. A couple of things, uh, just as a disclaimer, obviously I'm going to be a little biased because that's my first love, right? When you're eight years old, nine years old, mm-hmm. The first time you watch wrestling, it's always going to have a place in your heart. But as a movie watcher, as a movie goer, and I know you guys talked about it with The Wrestler, A24, their style of movies, smaller budget, independent type of a movie. I thought the acting was fantastic. I thought, I know we're going to get into it. I know the timelines are off. I know there were some people that were missing. I know it wasn't a movie made for wrestling fans. It was a movie that had wrestling in it. So I know that's going to be a topic tonight. But just me watching a movie from A to Z by myself and knowing the story I, like I did, I gave it a straight A because I'd watch it over again. It's a rewatchable movie. And I thought the actors, forget about the way they look, just their their actual acting was fantastic from the start to finish outside of a couple people. And we'll talk about those people too. <laughs> I think I know one of them you're going to mention. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Jesse, how about you? Oh, that's not good to follow up that grade, especially for somebody <laughs> tied so close to it. I am going to go. <laughs> I'm going a B plus as a movie. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Gabe hit on all the key points. The acting was great. 
for me, being a humongous wrestling fan and knowing not as much as you in the backstory, but enough that I can hold my own and carry a conversation, that was the, really the only nitpick that I have about it was just to kind of like just appease the wrestling historians that like know, have the knowledge of the story itself. But I mean, there was a couple of scenes, specifically one towards the tail end of the movie that had me absolutely bawling. We'll probably get to that later, but I want to get to Justin's great as well and Ryan's too. All right, Mr. Joint. Well, I believe uh, the grade I gave it after uh, we left the theater and we're sitting having a beer chatting about it was a B plus. Uh, this movie has stayed with me since then. I, I've actually gone back to it thinking about it, and uh, I would amend it to an A minus now. Uh, hmm, okay. It, it's it's you know to to Gabe's point, it, this is. I mean, movie making at, at damn near its finest with acting. Uh, I'd give praise to the cinematography. It, it looked great. Um, it's not a perfect movie. I think there is one very valid nitpick from just like a movie standpoint that we can talk about. But other than that, uh, there were there were really only two things that bothered me, one of which I knew was going to bother me going in uh, in. I try to mentally prepare myself for it, but you know, every time it threw me off and, and that was, uh, Carrie, it, it was Jeremy Allen White's size. You know, he just, he just looked too small, but that that's, that's a, that's from a wrestling fans perspective because the carry mm-hmm. in this movie is not the carry that we know of in real life. So in just overall, I would say, if you go into this expecting a documentary or if you're going to review it like a documentary, you're not going to like it because it's not that's not what this is. This is a movie. Yeah. I think I'd give it a B plus. I think the the wrestling nerd in me will not go full A, although I can <laughs> see the I can see the argument. And again, though, like it's not this is made for the masses to Gabe's point. And I got to be totally fair about this, because if you think that this movie would get people more interested in the real story, you know, to go out and seek it and, and stumble upon heroes of world class or even, you know, the the documentary WWE made. That's a win. I mean, because you you want this to be a gateway for people to discover the real story and they'll discover for themselves what wasn't actually true from the real life story. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I watch a movie based on a real person, the first thing I do after I finish watching my wife makes fun of me for it is I'm like pulling up Wikipedia yep. and I'm looking into the real people. Like, is that right? Is, is that really what happened? And if people are doing that, that's a win. Right. And you know, to contrast this with a movie that came out a year ago, which I know Gabe saw many times Elvis with Austin Butler, everyone listening to this pod knows I'm a huge Elvis fan. Gabe is too. I'm, I'm on TCB cast another podcast. And we, we spent two episodes like three to four hours reviewing that film. This isn't going to be that long, but you know, we, we said that movie had a lot of, you know, factual errors or they kind of like twist the timeline a little bit to fit the narrative. So I'm totally fine with that. I understand why you do that in making a movie. You've got this story you're trying to tell from the perspective of Kevin, you know, being the sole survivor and you got to do some things to get there while trying to stay as true to the, the real story as you can. And I think that's the same thing Baz Luhrmann did a year ago. And with a real life figure. And that's what we saw here with the Iron Claw. And so, yeah, I have some nitpicks. Of course, the Ric Flair casting is is the biggest negative, I think, in this film. To Justin's point about Jeremy Allen White, who, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the bear. Love Same. him as an actor. 
Same. If you know, if you know the real Carrie Von Eric, it's going to bother you a little bit because the real Carrie Von Eric was a tall dude that was super muscular. I mean, honestly, Zach Efron was more. He, sh- he you watch it it's like he should have been Carrie the way he's built in this movie, because that's not what Kevin Kevin was more like lean and fit. And Zach Efron is stacked in this movie like he he looks like Carrie and he, you know, they wanted the big star to be the main character, which is Kevin throughout. So I understand that. But like from a look perspective, he would have fit Carrie better. And it is a little hard to get over like the height thing. And he's he's jacked, but not jacked enough to be Carrie Von Eric. But that's again, if you're not a hardcore wrestling fan, you're not, that's not going to bother you. So I, I can't fault it too much for that. And I mean, how do you guys feel about the fact that Chris wasn't actually a character? I mean, like, look, this Von Erich story is too tragic for Hollywood. They had to cut out an entire brother and his death. You know, he doesn't even show up in that closing scene with all the brothers in the in the afterlife or almost all the brothers in the afterlife. Did that bother you at all that Chris isn't a character, Gabe? What did you think about that? Honestly, it didn't. And I didn't know Durkin's uh, comments till after I watched it, that he kind of combined Mike and Chris as one character. And to Mm -hmm. be honest with you, he did. The one thing he did say, which really hit me was to have one more death in a movie about death. A lot of deaths was like too much. And so I will forgive him for not putting Chris in for that part of it. But I understand where wrestling fans and fans of the family and even other wrestlers have commented like Chris was part of that family. Now I'm going to say this too. Chris loved wrestling, wanted to be Carrie. Mike did not love wrestling, did not want to wrestle, did not want to be David. And so that dichotomy would have been interesting, but I don't know if you add any more to a two hour movie when they're trying to cover such a, a big issue. So I'm okay with Chris not being in it for those reasons with respect to Chris and his life. See you nodding, Justin. Go ahead. I, yeah, I, I read the same uh, uh, comments from the director afterwards too. Uh, and also it's like, would the audience buy that? Like another death? I mean, it would almost take people out of it. But to your other point about it, you know, this is already a two hour and 10 minute movie. You know, in order to add in Chris, you're probably going to need to add more time to it. If you want to add Carrie's family, you're probably going to need to add more time to it. You know, that's the funny thing. You know, one of my favorite podcasts that I don't listen to regularly because their episodes are like 20 hours long is the Laps fan. I listened to their review of this movie today and all of their complaints were almost like, well, I needed more of this. I needed more of this. I wanted a little bit more of this. Like motherfucker, how long did you want this movie to be? You know, (laughs) I, I, I am just not a fan of movies that are, I, I watch them and I am of excellently made ones, but like movies that go past two hours and 30 minutes, you kind of start losing me a little bit, especially as, as a dad of young kids. My time is really limited, but I, there, there's just certain cuts they have to make in the Chris one hurt. I said there was two things that bothered me while watching the movie. One was Carrie, the size uh, that's from a wrestling fan. And the other one was Chris. There was multiple times during the movie, especially during that beautiful uh, doc scene that I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, that it, it just like I, I just felt bad for him, you know, and he's not even here. He's not even around, so it doesn't really matter. But, um, yeah, I totally understand why they didn't do it. 
We talked, Justin, when we were getting that beer, a couple of beers, actually, after <laughs> after we viewed the movie, and we were talking about how could you have included him without the deaths just being overwhelming. And mm-hmm. we really could, I mean, in the moment, we couldn't think of a good way to do it. We were like, how could you include him in the doc scene and, you know, also cover? It was just so difficult to get to the point of actually including him. I mean, look, they didn't even include the full families. They didn't flesh out the characters who were totally in it because there was so much going on. Like you wouldn't have known that Carrie Von Eric, you know, was married and had children or even David and what happened with his, with his child, you know, in the late seventies, you, you didn't really, they covered so much in a short period of time that like one critique of the movie would be that. And Justin, we talked about this with trying to get to the point where it was so emotional at the end with the final deaths happening, it almost like they, they went so fast and they covered each character on the surface level a little bit that it was hard to get to that emotional point for us. As far as like Jesse mentioned the tears and everything, I actually didn't get there with this movie, even though I know the the real story. And I think it was just that they just didn't have enough time to dive deep enough into some of those issues that led to the deaths. Um, what about you, Jesse? What, what did you think about the omission of Chris? I think Gabe summed it up best with the Mike Chris hybrid thing. Actually, going to open up the floor with this one as well. I'm very curious if Mike Von Eric was actually that gifted as a musician. That's actually what I thought he was not. Okay. I was going to say, I thought that had been a really cool caveat just to see a Von Eric having a different talent and they're actually showcasing it in the movie. So that part was tremendous. Yeah. Well, one of the. One of the coolest scenes of the movie that I liked the most was when he started playing Tom Sawyer and Carrie was pumping iron and then he like turns his head and he notices it leaning into his love of music and like camera work too. He made some references to the camera work at at a dinner table, I believe in the movie. I don't have notes just going off of memory. So like those are nice nods to Mike's real story. There's just, you know, for, for time wise, the important part of this movie was they had to drive home how close these guys were that how important their brotherhood was so you needed to Mm -hmm. spend as much time on that as possible into the you know to our earlier point about the acting man those guys did a fantastic job and i know zach efron's been getting a lot of love frankly i think he should probably be nominated for a best actor uh you know jeremy allen white is obviously a very uh, talented actor, but also like, I thought the guy who played David did excellent. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I thought he looked spot on. Uh, he, as far as like visually, he was the best one. You know, he, I thought he like looked like David, uh, Harris 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 Dickinson. Dickinson. Yes. Yeah. I thought he was found. And of course, I mean, best of all, and this was borderline his movie, even character wise was, uh, Holt. who was just, Yes, for incredible, incredible. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill yeah what did you think of the depiction of fritz uh, from everything you know about the story gay because i thought it was pretty spot on i mean like the story about i have my favorite sons that's all true like they grew up knowing that 
Yeah, no, uh, 100%. I thought he did an awesome job as an actor portraying his character. But, you know, kind of just being there, the thing was is Fritz, right, he he ran the territory. He owned the promotion. Um, he was – everybody around him was his people. He trusted everybody. Um, and we'll get into some other stuff. I don't want to get too far off the movie, but, I mean, he owned the media, right? I mean, he mm -hmm. was giving them – huge like forget the espn stuff he was giving the local tv stations huge ratings huge ratings blowing out network tv and the christian broadcast broadcasting network which was actually the satellite feed that sent out the syndication not espn we're getting huge ratings like on godly ratings if you watch the heroes of world class the ratings were through the roof right so not only did he get that but he had the local tv station and the local print media Anytime there was a big story, if somebody got hurt, if somebody got hurt in real life or in storyline, it was on the news. It was in the newspaper. It was in, it was on TV all week. So when stuff really did start to happen with the boys dying, that was the hard part. I mean, we still still lived in kayfabe. And obviously, at eight years old, I know you can't pile drive somebody on concrete and they're still going to live. But it was still kayfabe. And the news reported it like it was a real sport. So the guy that he portrayed was truly Fritz. He believed in his heart. And that story, the little thing with Kevin and his Pam with the wife, him saying it's entertainment and you got to work your way up just like any business. That's truly what it was. It wasn't about entertainment and sports entertainment. It was like giving this audience what they want. I thought he did awesome. Yeah. Jesse. Yeah. I, all right. 45 second dive into kind of where the empath in me comes out because with minus the tragic stuff with all of the deaths, the Von Erich family in a way kind of reminds me of my father and myself and my three younger brothers. My father lived vicariously a lot through us, our accomplishments and us wanting to do some of the things that he never got the chance to accomplish. So when I see Fritz on screen doing the exact same thing, it hits, it hits home for me. I'll get to the big time emotional part with Carrie in the death towards the tail end. And then at the very end, they meet at the rainbow with David, Mike, and Jackie. And I, right there, the empath, and then we was envisioning my brothers being gone and me meeting them for the first time, like for the first time since I, I perished. And it just absolutely, I think tears were like hitting my t-shirt at that point. So... Again, this this movie really hit home with me. So I, I think the depiction as a movie was fantastic. And yes, Fritz did a phenomenal job, uh, or the actor did, of uh, portraying Mr. Von Erich in that aspect. Yeah, that scene and the scene where Kevin's watching his boys play football, oh, that, that in particular was the most emotional I got during it. That scene was like... I was pretty close <laughs> at I mean, that point in time. You're you're a fucking hollow human, hollow human being. If yeah. you don't have, if you don't feel something when those boys say we'll be your brothers, yeah, great call on that, both of you. Yeah, especially oh, with yeah. us having children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I think yeah, I think having kids. I mean, all of us are dads here. I think yeah, having having kids really set that apart. You know, I mean, man, this movie covers a lot in a short time and you maybe don't get as deep into the family life as you want, like away from the brothers is what I'm saying. The brothers is the focus, but their families outside of that, that could be a critique, but you just can't, you can't in the, 
in the allotment of time, but in the time that they had and the time that Holt had portraying Fritz, man, he was spot the voice. He did a really good job on the voice. Fritz von Erich had just a, just a voice that you would never forget if you have ever heard it. And he did a, he did, did a really good job portraying that. Uh, I thought that the way that he didn't, you know, really take any responsibility for what was happening with his boys was great. And, not literally great, but yeah. great in the movie. <laughs> Don't get me wrong that, you know, how they got that in there and across well, because that's true, true to life with the real story and everything. So, yeah, I, I like the way it opened showing him, you know, with the black and white footage yeah. that he was a wrestler and then moving around a lot and eventually getting down to Texas and stuff. I, I really liked all of that. And then, you know, it pretty much just kind of throws you ahead then to almost the heyday of world class. Now, we didn't get as much. We thought they, they would portray the Freebirds angle more than we saw. Like they hint that they're feuding with the Freebirds, but not really, not really that much. It's, it's just a lot of general wrestling in the movie. Not so much the storylines that actually ignited the territory. But again, that's wrestling nerd stuff. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, we don't get like the cage spot and, and the match carry and flare or anything like that. But but you see the free birds and, you know, you get the promo with the three Von Eric boys and you see all three of them kind of come into the business. You see Carrie, you know, struggling in college and then he leaves and they, they hint at the Olympic thing, you know, whether how true that is or not, that he would have actually tried out for the games. It's in there. And so, you know, they, they tell that story. They cover it very briefly. And, then you know, eventually all three boys get in the business ignites. And, you know, obviously I wasn't there. But you were Gabe and they basically built the sportatorium (laughs) and from you were you were actually there. You went to a show there. So from what you saw in the movie and from you were pretty young, but from what you remember going to the the show at the sportatorium, did they get the vibe correct? Uh, Okay, so the look and the feel in the movie uh, is close as they could, right? In the soundstage, the CGI, all that stuff. I think the one thing that, again, as a, as a person that was there, but also a wrestling fan, I think the one thing that was missing from the whole movie is just how huge those boys were. I mean, they were huge, huge stars. And at no time did I really feel like they really showed like when these these guys went downtown to Dallas or they went anywhere, there was a crowd. There was cameras. There was autograph lines. I know they showed a little bit with Pam and Kevin, but I'm telling you, living there at that time, the Cowboys, sure, everybody knows Cowboys. Uh, the Mavericks, they had an okay team. The actually the Dallas Sidekicks indoor arena soccer team was probably my second favorite thing in Dallas at that time because Tattoo was <laughs> a god. Throw on that nice. jersey around. But the Von Ericks, at least for me, at his eight years old, out of all of that, the talk every Monday was Von Ericks and dub in world class wrestling. That was it. Every and we all played football, we all played basketball, but we talked about what happened on, on world-class money. I don't know if the movie ever captured that part. I don't know if it needed to, cause it wasn't about wrestling, but man, that's just like, it's about these brothers and how huge Fritz made these boys. I, I know they had their, their charisma and they had to go out and wrestle, but Fritz and, and, and Gary Hart were, I mean, he booked those boys to be just rock stars. 
And that's mm-hmm. the only thing that I don't think the film really could capture with the sportatorium scenes. And then when they cut to the Cotton Bowl for Carrie and Rick, and they just showed the entrance only and kind of a background on the TV. That was probably the one wrestling geek moment that I'm like, oh man, you gotta show, you gotta <laughs> show that stadium, man. Forty thousand people just exploding on that roll up. It just that was the one geeky thing that I just was like, oh, you gotta show that. But I get it. I do to, think to that, that point. Yeah, real quick, real quick. To that point, Justin and I talked about that afterwards, and we were like, man. It would have been really hard on their budget to recreate that, like the big stadium. So it almost would have required them reaching out to WWE to show it (laughs) in the full screen and to get the highlights in some way, which I don't know if they tried. You know, it's on the TV in the background, Um, but to get that footage actually in there in a bigger way would have been cool. They did get some cooperation with WWE. I don't know if you guys got this, but I got a newsletter email from WWE, like in my promotions tab, to go see the Iron Claw. So they must have worked out some deal where they were promoting the film, at least on email. But sorry, Justin, go ahead. I, I think that is a very good and honest critique as both a wrestling fan and a movie lover, Gabe, about that, that their fame in the world they were living in because you know, to, Ryan, to your point about how, when you watch a movie like this and then afterwards you do the wiki Wikipedia deep dive and all that kind of stuff. What did I do yesterday? I texted you said, Hey, can you get me that Carrie, uh, Von Eric obituary that Dave Meltzer wrote? And he had a, a fantastic thing in that. I'm a, an amazing write up. One of the best things I've ever fucking read. It's incredible. I highly recommend recommend anybody to go out and find it. But the one thing that he kept driving home that I thought was fantastic was that these boys and maybe especially Carrie, but it was definitely all of them. They lived in a fantasy world. They did not live in the real world because of the way they were raised basically directly into this wrestling world. And then the heights that they were at with world champion, world-class championship wrestling. I mean, it, it was otherworldly. I mean, There's talk that when Vince McMahon was thinking of going, you know, nationwide, the three guys that he had on his mind were Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Snuka, and Kerry Von Erich. And so they were covering, they were covering them in their magazines and they weren't even in the company. Yeah. Because he thought he would get them eventually and he wanted to promote them. So, yeah, I think I I wish they could have driven that home a little bit more, which probably could have taken like a small montage or something. And then the one other thing which is completely related to that. And they showed a little bit of it, but I think they had to do more with the drug use because yeah. mm-hmm. just, just as much as their deaths is on Fritz, it, it's also on the drug use and, and the drug culture of the eighties. Great point on that. Yeah. I, I wish that the movie would have had that peak scene where you could see the Von Erics and all of their glory. I think that's the reason why I wanted to see Carrie defeat Rick in front of all those people more than anything to get Mm -hmm. that feel-good moment out for like 30 to 45 seconds before you go right back to tragedy again. And then I'll quickly go to Justin's point on the Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Snooker, Kerry Von Erich thing real fast. There was somebody that said, what was the biggest fumble in the history of pro wrestling? And I said, Hulk Hogan not being the AWA champion because back in uh, 82, 83, when they had the chance, he beat Bockwinkle a couple of times. They reversed the booking decision. Vern was taking his merch away, so Hogan moves on. Someone said, well, what would have happened if Hogan had moved on? I said, I bet you he would have thrown the bag at Kerry Von Erich, and he could have been Hulk Hogan instead. Yeah, 
I mean, if he could have handled it mentally yeah. for sure where he was at at the time, but yeah, I mean, to me, I'm going to get in some positives in a second. Cause I feel like I've only been talking about the negatives and I would give this a, a B plus as a movie, but to me, the, the biggest negatives were the portrayal of Ric Flair, <laughs> which most of the wrestling fan base has united behind that fact. Uh, and the drug use being left out because it is such a huge part of the story of the downfall was the substance abuse problems that these guys had. And to Gabe's point about these guys being, you know, legends in their own time and everyone being behind them. I mean, there was the story that Carrie, I think he was coming back from his honeymoon and got caught with all these drugs and people didn't believe it. They were like, oh, yeah, the Freebirds must have planted those <laughs> drugs on him. People really thought that I mean, this is how over these boys were. And it's what led to the tragedies. You know, David's death in the movie is what Meltzer calls the kayfabe version of what happened. And look, I wasn't there. I don't want to say for sure. But, you know, the inflamed intestine and, and all of that, like they hint that he's having these symptoms when he's in the States and then he goes over there. There's been tons of stories about what could have happened to David Von Erich? Meltzer is very steadfast that it was drugs and Bruiser Brody hid the drugs, flushed them, you know, from the hotel room in Japan. And the stories were out there that he got kicked hard in a match in Japan and that caused the intestinal issues. But he actually hadn't had any matches on that tour yet when he died. So they didn't hint at all that it was about it could have been about drugs. They just it flat out. It was the intestine story. Um, and then, you, you know, with Carrie and his suicide. It was he was in a bad place. He was depressed. He was depressed by his brothers, of course, but he was also facing prison time. Mm -hmm. He had been indicted and he killed himself with that being a major factor. And you wouldn't know that, you know, watching the movie. I did think that they at least showed it with Mike and, you know, they, they kind of combined, like Gabe said earlier, Chris and Mike's story a little bit because you did get. Although Mike had the injury when he was in Israel, when he had the toxic shock and stuff, they showed that injury happening at the sportatorium. And Chris, I believe, actually broke his arm here. And that led to a lot of problems with him. And so I feel like they conflated those two stories into one to kind of combine the story. Like you wouldn't have known that Mike was in Israel when that happened. But they, they mentioned, obviously, the toxic shock thing and then what that impact that had on his brain and you get that from watching it and his personality changing and, and then the pressures that he can never be what the other brothers were. And that's all very true to the story. And you actually do see him OD on the Placidils in the movie. So, but that's really like about the only drug use in the movie. That's just flat out in your face that it's happening. You know, otherwise you wouldn't get that. So I did think they should have dove into that a little bit more because uh, it's such a, a key aspect of the story. I mean, look, it's already a depressing story. I think you can you can talk about the the drug use. But to the positive side and to talking to Gabe about actually being there, I did think it was cool. They didn't get across maybe how big they were, but I like the scene how they shot like the camera going into the sportatorium. And that's when you kind of oh. saw the younger fans like buying the tickets and everything. And you just see a lot of girls there because that was the point. And we've talked about this on the pod before. Is like when you watch world class shows. You hear the high pitch screaming, and that just wasn't part of wrestling at that time. It was unique to the territory. It was unique to these young guys who were heartthrobs in Dallas. You know, they were the right age. They had the rock and roll music. I said this earlier. They had a great point showing Tom Sawyer. Loved that. 
They even had the reference to the different camera angles being shot. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about all of this on our recent classic show over on Patreon when we covered uh, Christmas Star Wars 82. I think all of that was positive in, in such a short running time. You got a lot of that in. It seemed like the atmosphere inside the sportatorium was accurate. You know, you got the fans hanging out outside afterwards looking for the autographs with Pam and a lot of women hanging around and stuff. So that was they included it a little bit. It could have been a little more in your face, maybe. But as far as inside the building, Gabe, is that kind of about how you remember it looking sitting in the stands? So. Yeah, and the, and there was so much. Uh, it's so big. You you don't realize how big the sportatorium is on TV. It's a really really big place. So you're seeing kind of the front rows, and you're seeing kind of when they walk into the from you know the back right down the aisles. But in the back, right, you're sitting on wooden bleachers. Um, it's doesn't smell good. You know, it's an old building like our local McElroy or Hippodrome, whatever you want to call it. The big thing though was. It's a lot of old ladies and a lot of drunk guys. So <laughs> outside of that, those girls that were there to see the the Von Erics and, and Gino and Chris Adams, and I'm sorry, I know he's a puke, but he was a stud star. Like women loved him too. That was part of the gimmick. Um, those women were up front and they were on TV, which, hey, again, if you watch Heroes, the production of World Class was leaps and bounds above all the mm-hmm. other territories. They had a full audience live audience they had young girls it was it was to me they they captured that a little bit the only thing you know i mean even the the girls grabbing kevin and kissing on him that was every week that was every show those girls were right there right on the walkway waiting for those those boys to walk down to the the attendance thing too there's a great story in that observer obituary that Meltzer wrote on carrie where he talks about at one point in time there was a playoff game between the Mavs and the Celtics or the mm-hmm. Celtics, the Lakers. Sorry. Uh, yes, and yeah, <laughs> this, I'm and, thinking and about this, the Celtics from earlier, uh, but like that, the, 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 going to the NBA finals at that time. Yeah. But the, the Mavs and the Lakers had a playoff game and world-class outdrew the playoff game. And just, just to <laughs> in make town. This, this is, yeah. this is showtime Lakers. This is magic yeah. and Kareem. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just the the kind of popularity they had in that area at the time. You just having lived through that game is incredible that you were there during that time. Well, it it is. I kind of want to ask more about that. Uh, When did you leave Dallas, Gabe? So I I got down there. uh, We... I don't know if you boys are old enough to remember the farm crisis of the 80s. (laughs) But... uh, yeah. My my dad was moving a lot. He was a carpenter by trade, but he was just basically going where the work was. Well, then, you know, the show Dallas, the show Dynasty, right? The oil boom hit and there was construction galore down in the Dallas and Fort Worth and the Metroplex. So he called my mom. We were still in Iowa. He goes, why don't you move down here? Their sports are awesome. Uh, Gabe would love it down here. The weather's good and there's a lot of work. So my mom said, all right, we'll we'll give it a chance. So me and my sisters, we moved down there. Sisters don't remember it that well. They were really, really young. So 83, I moved down there. And then we finally, and again, this is real life. Um, they started capping the oil rigs. Uh, the, the, the cocaine was running wild. And um, basically, after a couple of years, my mom said to my dad, like, this is too much. I'm going to move back to Iowa. I'm like, we got family there. Um we got to go. So we ended up coming back about two years. So about 80, so 
literally mid 83 to mid 85, those two years, which is kind of where we're at a little bit earlier, obviously for the start of the Freebirds mm-hmm. and Von Erichs, but I was right there to hit that part, the Gino, the, the feuds with Bruiser and Kamala and one man gang and all of those guys. So yeah, man, to think back that I was there at that time. And now we're talking about it here in 2023 is, is pretty wild to be honest with you. Well, cause that, that was going to be my next, my next question was about, uh, do you have any memories or remember hearing about or feelings from when David died? Like, do you remember people talking about that or? Oh yeah. Well, first of all, the, I mean, they showed him all the time on TV, even after he passed and they would do these montages and these, uh, you know, splice kind of like they do now, you know, Kevin Dunn stuff with WWE, they'd splice these little montages of him wrestling with the boys, with the family, yellow road, Texas playing in the background. So even after he passed, even at eight, nine years old, you saw it all the time because it was just like, people were still heartbroken. They couldn't get over that. He passed. And, And then, it kept going. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was hard for a lot of us. And I would say a couple of things too, like, um, the, the thing with the territory situation, and, and I'm, I don't want to get off the, the topic of the movie, but I just want to nitpick as a wrestling fan. I know Vince-isms and WWE revisionists and all that stuff. There was, it was just bingo halls and 20 people in a bar, right? <laughs> it wasn't, right? We know that. Uh, I'm talking to the choir here. But the thing was, was even with the territory system, what was awesome was, so I'm watching Dallas all the time. But guys are coming in and out. I mean, we're getting guys from Georgia. We're getting guys from AWA. We're getting guys from Harley Race in Missouri. We're getting guys in all the time. And to me, that's what was so fun is they would start these feuds. Uh, and then, they, they, you know, their, their run would end. They'd leave. And then all of a sudden, boom, somebody just shows up. And, and it, what it reminds me, and I don't know if you guys think about this, it reminds me of the, the best times of ECW. You know, yeah. Paul can only get a guy for so long and only could pay him so much. But man, that dude would come in, make a huge splash and then go on to something else. And I think that's what we what I miss about the territory days is that aspect of a guy coming in and out. You never got stale. You never got tired of a story because you were moving people and parts around all the time. Well, said. That's, you know, well, that's that's why. It just boggles the mind with these tribalists who like want to see AEW fail and stuff who like, no, this, this is what we need just so we can get the guys jumping from promotion to promotion. That's good. That's good for wrestling. That's good for TV. Tell these tribalists to read between the lines. (laughs) (laughs) Gabe, I, I cut a YouTube short yesterday from the show we did two weeks ago where uh, we were talking about who should move from AEW to WWE and back and forth. And there was a point in there where I said, Seth and Becky going to AEW would be great. It freshened them up. Like Seth and Becky have been around for a long time. They don't have to go there. They could get paid well, and it would make them fresh in a new way. And I made the case that Becky in particular doesn't have anything left to do in WWE. She's done it all. She's made a event at WrestleMania. You should have seen these tribalists commenting on the videos on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. Just what a moron this guy is. They would never leave WWE. Why? Why would they go to this second rate promotion? And it's like, who are you? 
are you a wrestling fan or are you just a corporate WWE fan? Like, you don't want to see this kind of thing. I wasn't saying it, it would happen. I was saying that it would be good if it happened because they would get freshened up and they can go back to WWE three years later or whatever. But that's what you need in wrestling to keep it hot. And that's what made that period so interesting. It's what even WWF, WCW, and you mentioned ECW, the fact that you had somewhere to jump. It's like, dude, these people in the comments, I guarantee you there's not a single wrestler that agrees with you. They all want multiple wrestling companies to thrive so they can get paid better and have options. I mean, I don't, I don't get these people at all. Don't know. I mean, I think it, maybe it's a function of just growing up and only watching 2000s wrestling when there was only 100%. one game in town for so long. A hundred percent. They don't know. They just don't know. And they say foolish things. Foolish things, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse was like, Drosty's getting dragged by some of these WWE stands in the comments. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Keep them commenting. It drives us up in the algorithm. <laughs> no it was yeah. so great about the territories i'll keep this to 30 seconds and gabe's point and seeing all these guys going through texas and andre the giant stepping into the world class in january 1 of 83 for two weeks wins a battle royal wrestles bundy and he's on his way how cool is that just to see some major attraction come in for a month and then back to their home territory i i we we need stuff like that that's why partnerships are such a good thing in pro wrestling too yeah um at the risk of going too long on the movie i i do think there are, are at least one more thing we should probably touch on uh and there there we're i'm bringing it back to nitpicks unfortunately um movie wise i thought the wigs were borderline pretty bad i think just if they could have improved that department a little bit and I, I will let you guys talk about this in a second, but obviously the big talking point, and, and it was mentioned before, was the Ric Flair performance. But I also think that is just from a wrestling fan. You know, like, like everybody has a decent Ric Flair impersonation. But since we're kind of talking about the WWE right now, I was fucking horrified when right before the credits rolled, the first postscript we got was, in 2009, the Von Erichs were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Who the fuck gives a shit <laughs> about the WWE Hall of Fame? What does that do for the Von Erichs? Not a goddamn thing. Everybody gets into that Hall of Fame. I can't believe they added that to the movie. We just watched fucking all these guys die and off themselves in, in this just horrible tragedy and curse of this family. And we're talking about a goddamn Hall of Fame. Get the fuck out of here with it. It was that email that Drosty got for marketing. (laughs) If you include that line, we'll send out that email. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I want to say this to Justin from the review show on, and again, everybody get Patreon. It's so worth it. Okay. You made a comment about Flair's promo on the Star Wars show. Flair's promos in that era was not what we saw in the movie. They took the flair that people know now in 2023. Flair's promos back then were business. I'm here to beat your champion, to he- beat your baby face. And I'm the best there is. And that's what I'm going to do. And it was it was similar to a Harley race promo. It was straight and it was to the point. It wasn't hollering and hooping. He did that over in Atlanta. He did that in Mid-Continent because he was the he was the guy there. He was their 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 favorite but when mm-hmm. he went on the road he wasn't hooping and hollering he was like i'm here i'm a businessman i've got the belt that's what you want that's what i didn't like about not only the actor that portrayed him but just it didn't fit the era 
So that'd be my gripe about Flair besides the fact he was bad. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I had read somewhere that, that, that promo that they showed in the movie, they had just taken bits and pieces of kind of famous flair promos, maybe not the yeah. ones that we all know and love, but they definitely kind of picked and choose and just, you know, amalgamated. That's not the right word, but, you know, just put smashed them all together into this one, uh, promo. You didn't like MJF's Lance Von Eric wig, Justin? No, that was very bad. Luckily, he was only in the movie for three seconds. I was going to say, if, if you blinked, you missed it. He was in the movie for like five seconds. <laughs> so, But he wasn't, a, what, an executive producer, I believe, was his credit. I did not that? know that. Yeah. Um, so that was, I mean, that's cool for him. But yeah, he was, he was very brief in there. They didn't really cover who Lance was or that story or anything. No time for that. But I did think the wrestling scenes were really well done, wigs yes. aside, for the most part. I thought the actors did a great job. I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, you can pick out who pretty much everyone is as they're working them. And I thought, you know, those action shots were really cool. Some of the best we've ever seen in Hollywood. So with that said, man, this this Ric Flair casting was terrible. And <laughs> I think is I think it is a rightful gripe for anybody, not just wrestling fans. This is not a wrestling nerd nitpick because Ric Flair is pop culture. Everybody knows Ric Flair. They play the woo at NBA games and hockey games and football games and everywhere. You have to get that right. And so I don't know what they were doing in this casting, but Aaron Dean Eisenberg, who plays Ric Flair, I'm sure he tried his hardest. It is is like laughably bad. Like I was cringing in my seat when he was doing that promo. Like they found the one guy who can't do the high pitched woo. Like everyone can do the woo. And he did it like a growl almost. It was weird. Like that's not Ric Flair. I think anyone watching would know that. And I think to the point of like how briefly they touched on stuff, that Ric Flair promo got a lot of time. And if, Mm -hmm. if, if you're going to have it take up that much time in the movie, you just got to get the casting right. Or you got to just like pay to put in a Ric Flair promo. You know, because I mean, it was really bad, really, really bad. And I see Adam mentioned this in the chat. So we had talked about months ago that there was an early screening of this and we talked about it. This was notes from the observer and he wanted to know uh, in the chat if there had been any changes from the early screenings. And not that I'm aware of because I didn't see the early screening and I haven't heard anything on that. But I know the big criticisms at the time was that the flare casting was bad. And we talked about that on the show, that that's what people were saying who went to the early screening and that it was kind of like the wrestling magazine version of what happened with the deaths. And I would say that's accurate from what I saw in the movie. I mean, as we said, they don't touch on the drug use all that much. Um, they could have gone even harder on Fritz, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. And the flare casting was really bad, <laughs> but you yeah. know, outside I, of that, I liked most of the movie. I do got to say, I, I thought he was really good in the following locker room scene. Now, now the wig and the blood was really bad, but when he comes walking in there, like, man, you're fucking crazy, Kevin. I'll wrestle you again anytime. Now, where are we going to go to get fucked up? And it's like, I thought that was really good. It's just like, to your point, he just can't woo. He can't deliver the promos. (laughs) He's like, woo. Yeah, it was so weird. (laughs) What the hell is that? (laughs) To your point, though, Justin, I think almost anyone could do the locker room scene. It was right. It was accurate for Flair. But like all four of us could have done that part. Like The Ric Flair promo, I couldn't be a viable Ric Flair on film. I can at least, you know, I could do the woo better than that. But I mean, the locker yeah. room scene, I think, was easy to do. And that well, it, succeeded. And that's that's because I think the locker room scene was the writing. 
I, I think the writing was spot on in that scene. Although it was a little weird. So they go from, you know, Kevin is smartening up Pam to, you know, wrestling's not real. But then at other times it, it's almost portrayed like it is real. Mm-hmm. And like you have Flair saying, I'll give you a title shot anytime or something like that. I was like, I wouldn't be up to him. That's up to the promoters. Yeah. But yeah, well, even the even the even bruiser uh, scene where he welcomes the, you know David you know early on like welcome to showbiz or we- welcome to the business there was like those flashes and moments where they're like all right here's a peek behind the scene but then they mm-hmm. turn right around and then they would say oh but this is you know is legit so they're mm-hmm. playing with that that line uh, a little bit kind of throughout the movie for sure yeah yeah. So yeah, I mean all the all the criticisms of the flair casting is is right on. I can't imagine thinking that he did a good job, unfortunately. I wish he would have done better. That was that was the only like cringe moment where I was like, ooh, this is not good. But yeah, I mean, other than that, we can pick nits at different things they left out, you know, the timeline, um, when the carry motorcycle accident happened and everything. But by and large, I would say that this as a whole is the best wrestling movie i have ever seen i liked it more than the wrestler which i liked a lot mm-hmm. same i thought they did a great job i think everyone listening to this should go out and watch it because we want the box office numbers to be good so that they do another wrestling movie i'd love to see a movie on the hearts for example you know if they did another another film on a wrestling family or something man and we know this is how it works up. The Guerreros, yeah. I mean, that, Don't this make how me works. cry even more than I just did at that theater. Just <laughs> yeah, Don't. Jesse's like, I can't handle this. No, but like this is how it works. You do you do the good numbers, and they'll they'll do more of them. So if you're listening to this, I think you'll enjoy it. You know, you'll probably have the same criticisms that we have, but overall, I think the positives outweighed the criticisms. It does put you back in that moment in time, or give you the idea of what it would have been like. It gets you even more interested in the Von Eric story i mean to justin's point we had just prepped for doing christmas star wars 82 on classics over on the patreon feed which you guys should all check out and still after seeing the movie justin you wanted that carrie von eric obituary yep. from Meltzer. you and jesse were watching heroes of world class and so the movie did its job it got you even more interested in the story even as big fans who know a lot of it to dive even deeper and if it did that for you the general audience is going to want to do a little of the same i think so got to be considered a success closing comments from you guys at all uh i would just say uh no i don't think holt is going to get a nomination there in our comments he should like i said him and efron both should but this has been a really strong movie year um and especially in the uh, men's and women's both best actor and supporting actors. They're, they're really loaded this year. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to keep my fingers crossed for a surprise. Cause that can always happen, but uh, I, I don't see it happening, unfortunately. Oh, and one more thing while we're talking about Fritz and Holt, I, I want somebody to please give me an answer to why Holt has said in interviews that he was legally not allowed to talk to Kevin about his role. I have no idea. I, I, I've been looking into that a little bit and I cannot, I don't know. Um, did Kevin like sell the rights to his that's story what, to somebody else? Or something? Be. I don't got to be that. I don't know what else it could possibly be. Yeah. I, well, I mean, 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know how the rights work with each family members and who sold the rights, you know, to what I don't know. I have no idea. I thought I heard something along those lines, but this is the Kevin Von Eric story. So I don't, I don't yeah. know what the answer to that would be. Have not heard. Jesse, any parting comments? Yeah. Chavo Guerrero Jr. was also in the movie and had some roles behind the scenes as well. So shout out to that. And lastly, most importantly, Gabe, I want to send kudos and a shout out to you. Thank you for joining us and giving us your in-person mm-hmm. perspective because this, you living in the moment in that brief period of time that you did added huge value to the show. I truly appreciate it. I think the boys did as well. Man, that's awesome. Thank you guys for having me. A couple quick things before I jump off and let you guys get to the rest of the show. Um, man, the budget on the the music must have not been there because, man, oh, gosh. I mean, the songs they had were great, and I was still wanting more. So that was one mm-hmm. thing that that I would love. And then another shout-out, too, to uh, our friend James Beard, who uh, was a consultant and a referee in quite a few of the scenes with the Freebirds and Flair. Great guy. He comes to Waterloo. Uh, every year and and helps out and referees some of the show um he gave me not like directly but he was giving people a little insight and so i guess going in i had a little more idea about some of the timeline issues and those type of things and it was about a family but james has known that family he he actually refereed in this sportatorium back in the day i know for sure with global maybe before that too but great guy uh friend him on facebook follow him he's just an awesome dude loves wrestling um and is really cool with the fans so i will jump off happy new year to you guys keep up the great work love what you're doing everybody sign up for patreon we'll talk to y'all later appreciate it gabe you're awesome yeah yeah james beard is is a staple at the tragos thes hall of fame every summer you'll see him around and yeah i i spotted him instantly in those wrestling scenes as the referee in the ring for most of them so that that was cool to see as well yeah it was great to have gabe on i hope all the listeners enjoyed that because we thought that this would set our review apart from all the other reviews of this movie he was there i mean he was there you heard it in 83 that's that's when it hit man 83 was the year and then into 84 as well so great to have gabe on i'll really appreciate his support over the years that's like saying you were fucking there in madison square garden in like the late (laughs) 80s you know yeah for for the hogan stuff that's the equivalent yeah super cool man gabe's a great guy so it's been a strong supporter of ours for a long time. Looking forward to seeing him in person soon again as well. You guys, AW is still on the agenda. Let's get to it. That went a little longer than I Holy thought. We could have gone longer. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a list of some other items I was going to bring up, and I was like, man, we're an hour in. We got to get moving. But, I mean, the, the gist of it is, you guys, you got to see the movie. Yeah. There's things that, like, yeah, there's criticisms. No movie's perfect. But overall, in the time that they had, I thought they did a nice job yeah, with you, it. You just, you, you can't listen to any reviews. Like I said, at the very beginning, don't listen to any reviews where they're wanting more and more and more. And, and they're just, they're grading it on the curve of like, it's a documentary, you know, cause like That's, you, you, yeah. you were talking about Elvis earlier and I didn't even think about it until like days later, you know, after we talked about the movie, but it's like when he's saying evil, at that concert, it's like, well, he did not actually sing evil. Oh, trouble. That. Yeah. Or trouble, trouble. Sorry. Yeah, trouble yeah. at that concert. But like, because the song was sense. even out yet. But yeah, yeah but, it made but sense it, for the scene. It made sense for the movie in that moment. Like, it, it was perfect. So it's like, sometimes you just got to mix things up for movies because they're, they're not documentaries. You got, you got to tell the narrative and tie it all together. I have no, I have no problem with that kind of thing at all. 
you know, that, that part doesn't bother me. It's not a documentary, you know, they're, they're staying pretty close to the real story. If you want the documentary, watch heroes of world-class. It's awesome that, you know, that's, that's the best documentary. And then if you want a secondary one, you can check out the WWE one too, but here <laughs> heroes of world-class. I mean, that's, that's the standard. So you guys can check that out. But yeah, it's, I think we'll move on, but let us know what you thought of the review, of course. Uh, and you can follow Gabe on social media as well. Search Gabe Benson on Twitter and you will find him there. All right, guys. AEW has a pay-per-view in two days. World's End, a, a brand new pay-per-view. They're going to be at the Nassau Coliseum. Our guy Frank Pettiani is going to be there. And Frank is confirmed to be on a review on Sunday morning. So nice. Frank will be joining us. He'll give us the live perspective of what it was like in the building. So we need to preview this show here in the time that we have left. I thought, <laughs> you know, we've been, we're not going to go another hour. We might be a half hour. We'll see. Let's just say that dynamite was a success this week. We were texting about this earlier today. They had two blow away matches. There was stuff people didn't like on the show. Yes. But overall, when you have those two, you know, the, the blue league and gold league final matches, and they are like that. I will always give that show a positive review. I mean, I thought Brian and Eddie was freaking outstanding. I thought the results all made sense to have Eddie go over. <laughs> Justin's going six to midnight here. <laughs> I thought the triple threat, <laughs> the triple threat to open. That was funny. Je- Jesse and I, yeah, I texted you and I was like, do they open with a triple threat? That's what I would do. And like five minutes later, that opened the show. Right decision. I thought, you know, that was a, a great match as well with Moxley and Jay White and Swerve. And I think it was the right call. We love yes. Swerve on this show. We're super high on Swerve. We've been high on Swerve since before the rest of the internet was high on Swerve on the show. And when it comes down to it, do you really want to saddle him with a mid-card title? And so... You know, you, you get Moxley and Kingston in the finals now and the history that those guys have. And also, I want to read this text I got from a friend of mine earlier today because I, I thought he, he said it perfectly. Um, so what did he say here? Uh, okay, so yeah, he said, uh, this is my friend Jay. He said that Eddie beating all his final bosses is the right story despite my love for swerve exactly yes yes. this is this is the eddie kingston story more than anything else and he's a new york guy so it all makes sense this is logical booking and you got great matches along the way and in the end this is how it should go don't you think i mean i can't i can't imagine not being interested in this finals this is the mat i mean this is the match their their face off in the ring after eddie won was tremendous if you've been watching AEW, you've oh seen God. these guys and know the history that they have together. I'm pumped for it. Jesse, and, go ahead, sir. Or Justin, whoever wants. Well, okay, just real quick. I was just going to add, once again, what is he up against? Somebody he has never beat. He finally just conquered uh, Brian Danielson for the first time in his career, which, by the way, I remember us criticizing when he won the Ring of Honor world title against Claudio at Grand Slam, and it just felt like the way he celebrated was a little subdued, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I I was expecting a little bit more his first world title, you know, in, in his city. And it's like, Oh, okay. But Holy shit. The way that he celebrated beating Danielson. I mean, it it was like, he had just conquered the entire world. That was un effing believable. Yeah. 
Cheers to us for being the only three guys wanting Mox to face Kingston in these finals because no one else needs to see this again right now. <laughs> I don't know, man. Can't imagine not wanting to see this match. I had to fire that one off. <laughs> yeah, I... Oh, that three-minute promo just gave me chills. As uh, somebody said, uh, it gave you some energy last night. You were shaking watching that promo, weren't you? <laughs> Seriously. So good. I was shaking, as Kyle Ross used to say. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, so I think it's all logical. I think in the end, you got to put Kingston over. You guys agree? Yeah. Um, speaking of shaking, did you guys see the post-match interviews with Danielson and Kingston. Not they, yet. They, they on social on Twitter no. accounts. Mm-mm. Jesus Christ, man. Fucking Danielson. He is. He might be the greatest actor of all time. If he's not actually in his feelings about losing a predetermined wrestling match. Cause that dude, he is meditating. And then he starts talking <laughs> about maybe I'm not the best overall. And he legit starts crying. It is incredible so and then you, and, and then you go to kingston and you know what i'm not even going to talk about his go fucking watch it go find it in fact maybe when when we post this on the facebook page we'll link both of their promos they're they're just top notch eddie kingston might not be the best wrestler in the ring but that dude is the best motherfucker on the mic are you Imagine- saying this is cinema justin <laughs> <laughs> Imagine thinking that Brian Danielson's not in the wrestler of the year. <laughs> like conversation Jeez. at the very least. I cannot imagine. Poor guy can't even make it out of the first round. <laughs> so, Unbelievable. Couple of things here as well. Yes, those post-match promos that are on social media. They really have brought AEW almost back to their organic roots. And here's the one thing I'm going to call for that I teased on the Patreon show. If you really want to go back to your roots and as much as they can be flawed a little bit, bring back the rankings. Mm-hmm. Bring That's them so- back along with these post-match promos to show that these matches means every match means something. You can actually tie these rankings in, show these show these guys and ladies after these matches on social media or, or even show them on collision or the the show that's right after to play up the importance of all this stuff bring back the rankings that way that's probably the only way you can follow through with it but i mean i i think it's about time to do so especially since they discontinued it after the whole brawl out fiasco mm-hmm. i think if done right it's a positive I, I don't know if they ever did it right, but I think it's something that could be done well. And I mean, to the point of the rankings and everything, like if Swerve wins, he would have to lose. And, you know, I don't know that Swerve should lose to Kingston, given where he's at is on his ascension. I know a lot of people are bitching that Swerve didn't win. And it's, to me, it's like, you know, he lost in this match with, of you know, former world champion out there with Mox and everything like this. And, you know, he didn't he didn't lose. So, I mean, that's that's the greater point. So I think I think the way they did it, they booked it right, making it a triple threat so he could be out of the tournament, but not take the ultimate L. And you keep pushing him towards that world title scene. You'd be freaking nuts if you don't. So he needs immediately in January, he needs to be inserting himself in the world title picture. I think Uh, he just 
everything everything's clicking for Swerve Strickland right now. But yeah, this is the Eddie Kingston story. That's how it has to play out. He's the hometown guy. It's to me perfectly done. It's been a, this this tournament has been such a boon for AEW. They have to do this every year. They got to do more tournaments. Yes. Honestly, I mean, do it with the women too. Give women give yes. the women a spotlight. You know and. I, I don't know how you could not have been super entertained by AEW television the last couple of months. This has been tremendous content, and it's given you a reason to watch every show. And they've had great matches along the way, and they've told a good story getting to this finals. It's it's all tied together well. So I'm happy with it. I mean, you guys don't have anything get it, else on this? Don't get it twisted. Jericho and, and the Devil Goons are trying their damnedest to make you not want to watch Dynamite and Collision every week. But <laughs> I, I agree 100%. Uh, say anything you want about Tony Khan. He has booked this tournament perfect. I, I mean, yeah. you can go back to all of our previous conversations about it. I think all the right guys won when they needed to. And I think all the right people were in the semifinals. And I think... And I'm praying, I'm shaking for that baby face to win, praying that the right guy wins at world's end. Shout out to Jesus saves. Yo, if you listen to the Patreon show, Justin hit this to an absolute T what happened on Wednesday night and also coined the phrase that's going on a t-shirt top swerve nation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you guys had a great show. I'm, I'm going to talk about here in a second how you guys can watch that show if you if you want to watch it, too, because not only did you guys on the bonus show do audio, but you did video as well. We'll get to that here in a little bit. So we all got Eddie Kingston going over, and we, we've all been really happy with the way this tournament has played out. Now, I don't think we need to talk about every single match on this card. No. Like, Julia Hart's not losing to Abaddon, who came out of nowhere. It's just not happening. Um you know, uh, let's go. Let's go to um, let's let's do the devil stuff right now. Yes. All right. Let's talk about MJF and Samoa Joe. So on Dynamite, you know, Samoa Joe plays it like he got taken out backstage. And so MJF has to defend the ROH tag titles against two of the masked men all by himself. And he loses the tag titles. And Joe comes out afterwards and he's selling that injury and he gets in the ring and he's behind MJF. And then, you know, this message comes up from the devil that nice doing business with you. And Joe has swerved MJF and he takes him out with the chair. That was it the crutch. I can't remember now. He takes him out. He beats his ass. That's a greater point. And, you know, he he was working with the with that group. I think they got to play off or they have to pay off the devil thing on this pay-per-view at full gear. We said it wasn't guaranteed. I think you got to do it here. You can't drag this out anymore. Agree. I'm fairly certain. And Tony alluded to as much in in his media call, too. Yeah, I am fairly certain it's going to be Adam Cole. And I think I think the uh, the group's going to be Roddy Strong in the kingdom and Wardlow. I think that's who the group's going to be. And then we'll get the story with MJF after that. But uh, I mean, right now, with all that said, my pick is Samoa Joe to win the world title. Still, we talked about this weeks ago. Plans could change. But right now, I, I mean, I think MJF's going to drop the title. Maybe then that plays into They still run the story about if he's going to get signed elsewhere in 2024, if you actually believe that or whatever. I, I don't know. But I think I think he drops the title here. I don't I don't think we get a long Samoa Joe uh, title reign by any means. But I'm, this is what I see 
happening. Let me throw it to Jesse. What do you think about the Devil Group and the results of this match? Brad Altman, thank you very much. We appreciate your contributions to the show. Devil Group, I'll start with that first. I'm going with Cole, the Kingdom, and Kyle O'Reilly as the assailants. Mm -hmm. I think it would be cool if the other assailants were Wardlow, O'Reilly, and your tag champs were FTR. That's what I'd like, but I don't think it'll happen. Now let's go back to Joe and MJF, the whole devil thing and how egregious it is. Well, this angle is not as bad as Tanahashi beating Swerve or Jeff Jarrett beating Eddie Kingston on collision. It's not as bad as Jericho calling uh, the tag team of Ricky Starks and big cast big Billy Starks or QTV becoming a thing after Marshall the Nepotist himself helped Powerhouse Hobbs win the TNT Championship. It's also not as bad as The Miz losing to Akira Tozawa and Snoop Dogg only for the WWE to play him up as a real contender to beat Gunther for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. (laughs) Yeah. So I will take Samoa Joe in a 51 to 49 scenario because I'm not fully convinced of this yet. Mm -hmm. I would not mind seeing a very short Joe reign, but part of me is like, please swerve revolution. Take that championship. Yes. So yes. I'm going Joe, but I have the right to go 51-49. All right, Justin. I think you guys have summed it up pretty well. I'm right there with you. I, I think it's going to be Samoa Joe. Uh, at the early stages of this devil stuff, I was defending it. I was into it. it. It has lost me partly because of the presentation of his goons, which just looks really corny to me. Is that the best we can do, everybody? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I think we can do better. Uh, but I think they executed perfectly with that Joe turn, quote unquote turn, because he was already kind of a heel. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm almost guaranteeing a Joe victory. And I think we are going to get a reveal of the devil. They, ju- they just yeah. can't drag this out anymore. I mean, you look at the cage match rate ratings for that, that dynamite where we had two incredible C2 matches. But like be- between Jericho and Sammy, all of a sudden being a fucking baby face again after like a week and a half of being a heel. Uh, and, and then with the devil stuff that people really aren't into, uh, it, it's time to move on. We, we need to move forward with more of the sports oriented stuff. The goons look like the putty men from Power Rangers dressed in black, says Adam. 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> Can't take him seriously. No. Yeah, it's it's time to do something different. Do the reveal and get to wherever we're going. You can't possibly drag this on any longer. And yeah, to your point, that Jericho stuff was a huge drag on the show. I think Curtis Brooks put it best in our Facebook group today. I mean, he's a legend, but it's time for mm-hmm. Chris Jericho to do something else. Just take a break. Work behind the scenes. It's just it's not working right now. Jericho's role in this promotion to be the first world champion to give that title credibility was well done. But since then, it's a lot of it's just been forgettable or bad. At least this year has been bad. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready for him to take a break, freshen up and uh, do something different. So, I mean, the match that they're doing, the eight man tag with Starks and Bill and the Callis family against Jericho, Sammy, Sting, Darby. I guess it's fine to get all those people on the card. Not like I'm particularly looking forward to it, but hey, it's another pay-per-view match for Sting. So it's, it's thrown together. You get a bunch of big names in, in one match. I guess I guess that's fine. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't have any major thoughts on that one unless you guys do. Nope. <laughs> so sting must pose. Sting must pose. <laughs> Faces win. Uh, Justin Swerve and Keith Lee finally having this singles match. However, like 15 months later, so, how are you feeling about that one? Supposedly, according to Tony, this was the plan yeah. all along, just to pull it out of his back pocket whenever he needed it. Uh, not sure I'm buying that bullshit, but uh, I'm glad we're finally getting to it. Uh, it'd be nice if Keith Lee was a little bit more built up because it just kind of feels like Swerve's going up against a guy that's on television every once in a while. So there's not really any question as to whose house this is going to be at World's End. Yeah. You have one guy in Swerve who's hotter than an L.A. summer. You have one guy in Lee who is cooler than the other side of the pillow. I would have loved this match in Winter is Coming of 2022. Instead, we're getting prime Kobe Bryant against Shaquille O'Neal of the Miami Heat, where Lee is barely out of his prime, just trying to stay relevant, and Swerve is on absolute fire. Listen, I think everybody who knows me knows that I profess my love for Keith Lee's talent and how I think he's been one of the biggest drop balls of the last, I'd say, five years by mm -hmm. two promotions now. There is no excuse for him to be this cold coming into this scenario and just to try to even throw this together in three weeks was just BS. I mean, Swerve is going to win this without question. And if he doesn't, what in the world are you doing, Tony Khan? Swerve. So there was a report from Fightful yesterday that originally they were going to do Keith Lee and Swerve uh, this past summer. So when they teamed together in the Blind Eliminator Tag Team Tournament, apparently there was a, a plan for them to do the match coming out of that. And then they didn't do it. And then they made the call after full gear to do this match at World's End. So they couldn't hint at it earlier because of the tournament going on. But apparently this has been the plan since right after full gear. And Fightful noted that um, they were going to do more with Swerve and Hangman coming out of full gear, but then they pivoted. So my hope is that they get back to Swerve and Hangman after Swerve wins the world title, hopefully. Hopefully Swerve becomes world champion in the next couple of months, and then he rekindles the feud with Hangman going into the spring and summer. That That is my hope, and that that, that is not forgotten that they were going to do more. I'm sure it won't be forgotten, but I hope they make that a world title program because that was the highlight of television before co the Continental Classic, for sure. Can we get six to midnight on a Top Rope Nation shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so I, I will look forward to that 100%. Um, Let's see. Christian and Copeland. Any uh, major thoughts on the no DQ TNT title match here, guys? That, that, the pull apart for some reason didn't work for me. I, 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 I've i said it before. I'm not the biggest Adam Copeland fan. Uh, I love Christian. So I, I kind of would prefer to see the TNT title stay with him. Mm -hmm. But man, uh, Mr. Edge doesn't lose very often. And especially like two times in a row, I, I, I would kind of be shocked if he does not walk away as TNT champion here. Kind of in the same vein as MJF and Samoa Joe, I'm going with Copeland as a 51 to 49 favorite here because Cage should not lose this championship. Agree. Oh my 
gosh, his heel work, it's just incredible. I love his entrance where it just goes 10, 9, 8, 7, it lists all of his attributes off. And number one, father. (laughs) (laughs) So Copeland hasn't really gotten his major revenge yet. So I I think he takes the championship here. But I mean, the no DQ step is going to make this even more interesting to me. I yeah. yeah, this is actually one of the it's probably my second or third most anticipated match of the night because they're just going to put it all together. They did a great job, I think, on Dynamite a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'll pick Copeland to win too. I'm not. I'm pretty fifty one forty nine also on this, but uh, yeah, to Justin's point, he's not going to lose that much. So I'll, I'll say they do the title change here. Christian's had it for a little while. I'll I'll, I'll go with the title change. I'm sure they'll have a good match. These guys have been wrestling each other since the backyard. So, yeah, they, they could do some interesting things with the no DQ step. We'll see how that plays out. Um, Miro and Andrade, right, with uh, CJ Perry being the uh, the tie that binds them together here. Um, boy, I don't know, man. I like there's not a ton of build to this. They had a yeah. few segments here and there. I mean, both of these guys, I think we would say, have been underutilized. <laughs> especially Miro during his run. Um, you know, to, we had to possibly his own fault. That might not be on Tony. That might be on just Miro refusing to do any kind of job just for the yeah. record. Yeah. And I, Andrade was like hinting in interviews that he might want to go back to WWE. So this is like a really tough call. I mean, I think I personally would hope for a Miro victory and hope that they would finally do more with him and get on the same page. But I, I am not confident in a victor on this one. I don't know if you guys have thoughts. Not really. Um, I would like to say that, you know, I'd like to make a joke about how the best part of this match is going to be Miro's entrance music, which I randomly pulled up today and just listened to like two times in a row. Cause it's so fucking good. <laughs> but I mean, if, if they give these guys time, they could tear it down, you know, 1000%. But I agree with you. Story's been kind of lackluster, um, but to their credit, I don't really know what direction they're going to go outside of the rumors of, you know, El Idolo having a, a foot out the door. So I suppose I'll go Miro here since he doesn't want to lose matches. This has been a way less sexual version of Rusev and Bobby Lashley in 2019. <laughs> there have been a lot of hints there's been some hints of it here and there so it's kind of interesting to me I think in not almost a lot the of thing six to midnight, not a lot of 6 to midnight going on <laughs> what are you saying a, well yeah maybe you not. need a purple pill or whatever color it is blue pill I don't know uh, much in the same vein that Sting must pose I Miro poses a lot he wins a ton so I'm, I'm going with Miro must pose here as well yeah. and the the largest question out of this because i i think yeah this is going to be a low-key a very good match is where does andrade go from here what does his future look like mm-hmm. all right real quickly here hook and wheeler yuda ftw match um like both of these guys a lot can't say i'm particularly hyped for this one i'll go with hook retaining don't have any real deep thoughts on it though yeah that just looks bored <laughs> <laughs> I'll be quick. Jesse, I, I'd, I'd like to see Hook get a longer match here. I think Yuta's a really yeah. good opponent for him to do that. I, I'm going Hook, and I think this might tie into one of the pre-show matches we're talking about. Maybe this leads to a longer-term story where Yuta gets the boot from the Blackpool Combat Club. Hmm. At least give this some extra spice. That would be nice. Uh, and then the AW Women's World Title match to Tony Storm and Riho. 
I don't think Tony Storm's going to lose the title here. I mean, they got this storyline going with Mariah May. Feels like she needs to be world champion for the story to go where it's going. Glad we're going to get Mariah May in the ring next week. Finally, uh, I feel like the build with this storyline's been a little slow for me. Um, I was hoping with the Mariah May stuff and Tony that they would get after what's going to happen here a little bit earlier. And it's been really slow building since Mariah May debuted. So hopefully in January that really picks up. But uh, I mean, right now, I think Tony retaining. I, I do kind of feel like the Tony Storm bit is getting old and it's Great. not nearly as good as it was at debut. So I feel like they need to get to the story soon and get to the, you know, wherever they're going with Mariah May. So finally getting her in, in action next week and we can see where they're headed. Yeah. Rio winning this soon, not being back for very long, would not look good at all. I think slow no. playing Mariah Mary eventually turning on Tony Storm is the play here. So, yeah, Tony's going to retain. Also, the fact that the women's title has been a little bit of a hot potato this year. And so they should probably just keep it on Tony for a while. Yeah, there's really no argument for Rio to win, <laughs> given you know where she's been in the last several months and some of the other people they're building up. So... Yeah, that's the card. We do have the 20-man battle royal for a future shot at the TNT title, but nobody named for that battle royal yet. And also the the eight-man that was just announced from the other participants of the C2. We are going to get Danielson on the show. Oh, really? That's not even on the Wikipedia listing yet. Yeah, uh, it's going to be Come Claudio, on, Wikipedia. Claudio, Brian, Mark oh, Briscoe. Daniel Garcia versus Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Rush, which should be a pretty damn fun match. Although it doesn't really fucking matter who wins. Did they announce that while we were on the air? Uh, about an hour before we went on the air. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I I just refreshed and now it is on Wikipedia. So that's why I didn't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, and this this is where I'm saying like Garcia teaming with Claudio and Danielson could slowly lead. Oh him shit! I did not even think about DC yeah. And good. Oh. slowly but surely getting the boot. One other thing that I think would be hilarious is if the heels lose and Jay Lethal eats yet another pin. Wouldn't be opposed to that. Yeah, be fine with me. All right, so that's the card. Uh, we will be watching it live. Couple notes on this. I will be on the BR app, Bleacher Report app, immediately after the show on Saturday night. So if you want to tune into that, it'll be me and Jeremy Loss, as usual, on the BR app. And they'll also post the video on BleacherReport.com in the AEW section afterwards. So you can watch me on there. Would love to have your support if you're a Top Rope Nation listener. There's a chat room. There's usually a lot of people on there. Get in there. Represent Top Rope Nation. And then the next morning, Sunday morning, don't know exactly the time. So this is why you need to subscribe on YouTube and turn notifications on. We'll be doing our review. As I said, Frank Pettiani will join us. He will be at the show on Saturday night, so he'll bring that live perspective from New York for us as we talk about World's End. Um, Justin, are you going to be able to do that show? I I, I couldn't remember. I didn't think you no, were going to, I, but... I've got Christmas number four on Saturday, so okay. if I can even watch the show, it probably wouldn't be till way late at night, and I won't be able to watch all of it, if any. I don't even know yet. Okay. So it'll much be Jesse, like, myself, and Frank. Yes. Much like in 5149 fashion, like I've done for the last 25 minutes, I'm going to make the 51% push to make it, which also means that there's a potential two and a half year old that might make his Top Rope Nation debut for about 30 seconds, just as a heads up to our <laughs> listeners and audience. Hey, man, all of our kids have, I think, appeared in some fashion on the show over the years. So that's totally fine. Uh, now, 
mentioning YouTube, I want to close with this. And I put a, a note out on our YouTube channel today on the uh, community page. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you would have seen this like on the app if you were scrolling through YouTube. I'm going to share my screen here. But we do have a new feature to talk about over on the Top Rope Nation YouTube channel. So if I can share this, I will show you exactly what I am talking about. So Top Rope Nation, here we go. Top Rope Nation recently became a YouTube partner, which means as we've been pushing on this show, once we became a partner, there would be a lot of new extra bonus features that we could offer our listeners. And uh, one of those, of course, is Super Chat. So if you join the live shows, you can donate to us with a Super Chat. But the other thing we can now offer is something called channel memberships. And if you go to our YouTube page on your computer, you will see at the top there is a join option. All right. So what does that mean? Well, if you scroll down on our feed here, you will see there is a section that says TRN plus bonus content. And it says members only. So if you join... If you join as a YouTube member, a, U- a TRN Plus member on YouTube, you can access for $4.99 a month the archive of TRN Classics, the videos, as well as this week's TRN Unplugged with Jesse and uh, Justin and future editions of TRN Unplugged as well. So basically, the reason we're offering this is it's another way to support the show. But also, I know some of our listeners out there like watching on YouTube and, you know, we promote Patreon and the TRN Classics is on Patreon and we have video there, too, and also the podcast version. But some people like they just use YouTube. And so if you're one of those people who only uses YouTube, you want all your content in one place, you can now get access to Top Rope Nation Classics and Top Rope Nation Unplugged in one spot on our YouTube channel for $4.99 a month. Now, the here's the caveat. I have to re-upload all of these as a members-only video. So I've been doing this over the last day or so. And right now, the TRN Classics Archive for TRN Plus members on YouTube has every show from 2023. Click on this. You will see that. So it's, it's unplugged from this week, and then it's every monthly TRN Classics video version all the way back to last January when we did Royal Rumble 94. And I will continue to upload the full archive every single day until every single one of them's on there. But as of right now, there's over 24 hours of content there for members. So I think that'll keep you occupied for a little while. So that's one bonus if you become a a member. God bless us for going two hours and 30 minutes on Halloween Havoc 1998. Who doesn't want to watch that (laughs) show? Come on. You know, even if you're a Patreon member, you guys, I guess one bonus or one reason to join the TRN plus YouTube membership on top of what I'm about to tell you beyond just the video access is that, you know, if you want to watch the videos, I do post them also on Patreon, but they're unlisted videos. And if you want to watch those, like on your YouTube app, you know, you got to kind of figure out and finagle how to do that. You got to paste in the URL or however you're doing it, add it to your watch list here. You know, you could just sign into your regular YouTube account and you can access them right from our channel page, the whole library of TRN classics. You know, so that that makes it a little bit easier for you. The other benefits are that if you become a channel member and once we start growing this, there will be like it will list your profile pictures right there on our channel homepage. And it'll say, like, thanks to our members and you'll see your profile pictures there. Also, if you join us for the uh, live chats, 
uh, here on the channel, you will have the like a special badge next to your name that shows you're a channel member. I know that like every month you get a highlighted comment in our live chats. Um, you can, I think you can use uh, emojis and gifts in the live chat, which is something only the members can do. So there's, there's all kinds of little perks. You can read about it on the YouTube page, but really when it comes down to it, as I said, it's just another way to support what we are doing to ensure that this podcast continues. You know, we do this flagship for you free every week. We spend time away from our families. We research and especially top rope nation classics, lots of research and work goes into those shows. And for just a couple of bucks a month, you can show us that you support what we are doing. So whether that's joining TRN plus the channel membership on YouTube or joining the Patreon page, we really, really appreciate that. We think we're giving you your money's worth. Gabe was just on a little bit ago. He said it's totally worth it. So I'll just quote him. <laughs> but I mean, there is a lot of bonus content. And, and this is just a, another way to dive into the video versions of all those bonus shows and get them right there on our YouTube channel right in your YouTube app, become a member, get highlighted on the channel, get those bonus features in the live chats as well. And, you know, maybe we'll add even more benefits in the future if this gets, this gets growing. But TRN Plus YouTube membership, it's $4.99 a month, just another way to support the show. Uh, and you'll find that archive right there on our channel archive, or on our, our channel homepage, I should say. Pretty cool, guys. I didn't even tell you about this, that I've been doing this the last couple of days, uploading all of these classic shows. There it is. So that's that guys, any parting comments to quote the great Eddie Kingston pro wrestling is the strongest mixed martial art. There is love it. Love it. 2023. I'm going to be a little bit sentimental has been a very tumultuous personal year for me. So I want to thank all of the listeners, you too, and everybody who has supported me through and through over the over the course of the last 362 days, because pro wrestling as in has a very healthy outlet for a couple hours a week, does wonders for your soul, your mind, and your body. So always remember that, especially when it comes to just everyday life. So there's so many great humans in the Top Rope Nation Facebook group. I'd recommend that you go there. And then lastly, you too. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me on. This has been a phenomenal last uh, half of 2023 being on this show. Well, thank you because you have yeah. been a great addition to this show. You bring a, you know, a whole different flavor to the analysis. You're so smart about the history of wrestling. And I mean, we lost Kyle this year. He had to step down, although he did return on Top Rope Nation Classics just a couple of months ago. And you can watch the video of that there on TRN Plus on YouTube or Patreon. And, you know, you can't ever replace Kyle. He was on this show for, for a long time, what, like six and a half years or something like that. But if there was anyone who could come damn close, Jesse, it was you, my man. I mean, I knew when I started thinking about if we should bring someone else on, just as a fan of your podcast, I knew you would be right for the gig. And you have fit right in. You have given us awesome bonus content on the patreon side with unplugged as well continuing your own show on top of all of this and i mean you've become just one of my closest friends too i mean just made a great friend for you know you over the last couple of years traveled with you doing the show with you every week always look forward to talking with you texting with you i mean i could count on one hand 
the amount of people I text as much as I do you. So this has been a great year for me, just having you added to the show. And I think for our listeners as well. Yeah, you're Justin's right, man. crying right now. Yes, <laughs> you're cool. <laughs> this is why I love Justin Joint so much. <laughs> I oh. saw like the slow tear. It was it was like the night Shawn Michaels, you know, had to surrender <laughs> the title in early '97. Justin's up there with his hoodie on. It's the I couldn't tell if it was the Celtics or or my speech there, but the, the tear just started coming. It's pro wrestling. Back to the Iron Claw. Sports, it's alcohol and it's fatherhood. I think those are the four <laughs> things that really bond us together. And it, it just, yes. yeah, it's been tremendous. It's been a tremendous half year. So thank you. Shout out to all those people on Patreon. The names are once again, scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Couldn't do this without you. Honestly, if you guys weren't supporting us, the show might not exist at this point anymore. So you guys keep us going and we really appreciate all of you who are donating right now. And all of you who are thinking about joining here in the new year, whether it's Patreon or the YouTube membership that we are now offering, you guys really make it worthwhile. Everyone in the Facebook group as well makes it worthwhile. Just the great discussions we're having over there. And look, we got one more show on New Year's Eve early on Sunday before we uh, we take this into 2024. And Justin, your next show will be in 2024. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm sad I'm going to miss the world's end review but uh god damn i think we're gonna have some good stuff in 2024 your topic is to lead the way i believe in 2024 yes sir we still have some decisions to make about that uh that episode slash draft but uh very much looking forward to it and just wait until the uh wwe mountain dew chugging neck beard army makes their appearances in the uh, comments on that show (laughs) justin you think this guy would go to AEW? They would never consider it. <laughs> what are you smoking? And if it's Justin, he's smoking some good stuff. Let me tell you. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> Look on Justin's face. Oh, man. All right, guys. This has been a good one. This is fun. Thanks to Gabe Benson again for joining us. And uh, yeah, I think we've said it all. It's been episode 322 of Top Rope Nation. Enjoy World's End. And we'll catch you all again on Sunday morning. Take care, everybody. I'll be your brother. Chris Irvine? credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.